Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have a repeat guest at a new company, Sam Katharwani, who was previously on the podcast, is now the VP of product at Rails. Rails is a company that collects data from different accounting systems, creating a standardized file format and allowing that information to be pushed to any number of other products and vendors and create unity around different accounting reporting systems. And with that, here's my interview with Sam. Sam, thanks for taking the time to come back. Thanks for having me again. My pleasure. So Sam Katharwani, VP of product at Rails. Tell us about Rails. Rails is a single API provider for accounting and financial data on small and medium businesses or SMBs in general. So with Rails, we're solving the problem of the noise in the financial data that you would have in a typical business. Uh, And then with us, we're able to connect, normalize, and serve a set of analytics that you're able to consume and make the decisions, whether it's a lending application, whether it's a business workflow management tool, all of that. And that's kind of the value, one of the major values of using Rails as as a product is how can you take a business's data from QuickBooks, Xero, NetSuite, a business in the US, a business in Canada, and make sense of all that information to make all your decisions or build whatever you have to build in the fintech space. So as alluded to, you've previously been on the podcast with a company called Coral previously. Uh, tell me about your journey from Coral to Rails. How'd you end up here? Yeah, so I think the last time I was on your show, I was the co-founder and CEO of Coral. I left Coral in, say, 2019. There was there comes a time where, as a co-founder, you deal through personal or mental issue, mental health issues, and you kind of ask yourself, are you the best person to keep running the company? At that point, is like, you know, like probably not the best interest of Coral for me to be uh, in the picture, and I need to focus on myself. So I decided to take a, if you want to call it a sabbatical or a break from the startup scene, a startup scene overall. Six months, took six months off, kind of wanted to figure out what to do next and kind of get better as an individual. And then after that, was kind of went to the journey of consulting and staying in product with the goal of staying away from the startup space. I thought after 10 years, it's time to hang the startup boots. But shortly after previous co-founder, Derek was now the CTO and co-founder of Rails, kind of reached out. He's like, well, we have Rails kind of starting. It is a continuation of the journey of Quarl because what Quarl, for someone who did not listen to the previous podcast, Quarl was an alternative lender that used data uh, to make decisions for investments in startups and small businesses. So in a way, we started solving the problem back then of how we can use accounting and financial information from businesses and kind of make decisions and investment decisions based on that. So what that evolved over time for Rails to end up acquiring the technical assets from Coral and, and capitalizing on that as its own product, as we've seen that that could be its own industry. There's a lot of need for that. So what Coral was trying to solve kind of became its own business. So at that point, I was kind of on a break trying to figure out what to do next uh, in the consulting world. Did a year in consulting where I really wanted to focus on getting better in process from a product perspective, getting better in leadership. These are some of the things you lack sometimes in the startup space when you've been in it for a while. It's like always on the go, launch, 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 and learn from your mistakes. So you kind of have space for that. And uh, with the, when the opportunity came back, uh, I was happy to get back in the startup space. I definitely did not hesitate after thinking I can take a break. Well, thanks for sharing that. I mean, oftentimes we've talked about just how stressful this entire endeavor can be, but we haven't really talked about what happens when you hit the wall. So I appreciate the forthcomingness of that. And the irony is you left and then you didn't go back, but you may as well have because of some degree because it all came full circle. All right. So that, that takes us through your history and a bit of the history of Rails. So let's talk about the functionality. So basically at its core, what you're doing is you're taking data that is collected on one of a handful of accounting systems and those systems all treat their data data differently and creating one uniform data model for all that, correct? And then you're allowing other actions to be taken off that. Speak to me about why that is an important function for different companies out there. 
Yeah, so you kind of you spoke to it a bit, right? So if you look at the value props of volume, connect, normalize, analyze, there's different use cases for accounting. Different businesses might record their financials or the expenses in a different way. So let's just take a basic uh, use case, right? A lender, right? It doesn't matter if you're a fintech lender or an FI lender, pretty much the same thing. So if you have two businesses, the way they record their accounting and you're trying to analyze what their balance sheet looks like or the way their income statement looks like, it's going to be hard to make sense of that data. We like to say if uh, kind of if you have crude oil and you have to kind of go through that filtering process and cleaning it before you even consume it, put it as kind of gas or whatever kind of byproducts you have. So that's what Rails is basically doing. It's taking all that noise of data and translating it into something customers, whether FIs or fintechs, can make sense of, where whether you're looking at from a pizza shop in Toronto or a pizza shop in New York, using QuickBooks versus Jira, the data makes sense to you. You can consume the same information. You can make those important decisions based on that. That makes sense. I mean, this is one of the number of services we've seen out there. I mean, this is no different, more or less, than, say, the plaids of the universe, who basically data aggregate from multiple places and create a uniform structure. I mean, their accessibility is a challenge. Here, I'd say maybe accessibility is less of a challenge, but the uniformity is usually valuable, right? It doesn't, does, does anyone, does any startup out there really want to spend all their time normalizing third-party data coming in? Like the answer is no, if they can pay for the right service. Okay, so you have that. Now, okay, talk to me about the different use cases you've seen over top of it. So what have been kind of the big verticals that you've been marketing into? Yeah, so there's different use cases for accounting. I mean, you can go wide and deep in accounting information and the needs of what you can uh, do, especially that everything ties back to that at the end, whether it's your banking, e-commerce, everything flows into your accounting system from tax perspective. But the main use case, would say lending, management of payables and receivables. These are top, some top three use cases that Trails deal with and can uh, we always, or we're always working on expanding into that space. But if we take lending as, as an example, if you've had the luxury of going through a small business loan, you know that that process is You call it a luxury? <laughs> so, but uh, being sarcastic here a bit of uh, going through those hoops and uh, five-week process of docs back and forth, or you missed this document, or this document is not in the right format, or your balance sheet is not up to the format that the bank or the fintech reads that sometimes they need it on regular basis, like quarterly, annual. So do you really want to be doing that as a business owner? As a fintech underwriter or FI underwriter, do you want to be chasing your businesses to get that information? So what what's nice with using Rails is now you're able to ask that business to grant you access to their financial information and accounting information. You're able to pull that data set, clean, normalize on top of it. We're saving you the analytics and insights based on that business financial data. And now you're able to embed that into your credit models or decision engines process, take that information, ingest it, and give that business a customized offer from a financial product. It doesn't have to be a vanilla loan product. It can be really customized based on the business's industry, based on the business's financials. And you get the chance to monitor your portfolio after because you have access to that information for up to a year before you have to renew it, uh, which means you can monitor the portfolio of the business, how they're doing. You can tell if this is a seasonal business, if there's a dip in their uh, revenue, or there's a spike in their expenses. So you'll be able to recommend more financial products and be more proactive instead of suddenly like, well, this business defaulted because they haven't done any revenue in the past three months regularly. So that's kind of one of the big use cases that we see in our industry, whether it's lending, 
uh, insurance if you're looking into the underwriting space and then followed by management of payables and receivables. So, I mean, anyone who's ever listened to this podcast at length has heard me tell the story of what a pain in the butt it is to apply for a loan at a bank. So they are well aware of the utter stupidity of how bad it is and also well aware of just how awesome it can be with an alternative lender who's who's a digital lender. Again, you know, three months to get to no and less than 24 hours to get to yes and hear the terms. Like it was like night and day. And I was also three months of date paperwork going back and forth more times than I can count. So that's one facet. Now you mentioned on the insurance basis. I'm really curious. Talk to me about the insurance side of the business. What is what how is this data being being made useful? Yeah. So you'd be surprised how you can use accounting information to understand the nature of the business, right? So if you look, and we're talking about here commercial insurance, not personal insurance or consumer insurance. So look at traditional business. Every business needs some form of insurance, one point to run an operator business where you can sleep well at night, if you want to call that, say that. So with having access to a business's financials, like one, you're having access to their financial information. So you know what their assets are, what their liabilities are. So you know, if push comes to shove, if this business kind of goes belly up, what's owed, what kind of insurance policies or claims can be done. But one key thing that you can understand about the business is the vendor risk management. So as a business, you deal with a lot of suppliers, you deal with a lot of customers, right? So by understanding the behavior of your vendors or understanding the behaviors of your customers, you can tell a lot about a business. So one example I like to give is imagine a mechanic shop, right? A mechanic shop's vendors or suppliers would be extended more like mechanical equipment, oil, greasy equipment, whatever, like mechanic shops end up buying. But if suddenly a mechanic is dealing with liquor store as a vendor, from an insurance perspective, that should be a flag for you. It's like, okay, is there a change in the industry? Is this business not doing well? Something is sketchy. So it's dealing with that and getting access to that information exposes a lot of the risk a business can be dealing with. Yeah, I think a um, that exact example you gave is a bit of an odd one. I think I would definitely raise it more well as to why a mechanic's suddenly dealing with a liquor store. Yes. Okay. So, all right. We talked about the, so insurance, lending, any other kind of unique or novel uses you're seeing out there? Yeah. Management of payable, especially as you're seeing. So there's two kind of use sub use cases of management of payable. So one is where take your basic example of like your transfer wise of the world or anything that's you're doing managing of payouts. Right now, a business owner is going to have to go in, add their vendors or add their customers, issue that payout manually, have to reconcile it back into their accounting system. So we're seeing more customers, they want to offer that kind of white glove service to their businesses where, you know what? Just connect your QuickBooks account or connect your accounting system. We'll pull all your bills. We'll put a list of all your vendors and on, on a schedule or we can build a workflow through us where you can issue all those payouts to your vendors and we'll reconcile it back into your accounting system. So from your, as a business owner, you don't need to worry about it. All you have to do is connect that to your payout provider. And can be, as we're starting to see more embedded finance use cases, whether it's what FI is adopting that or FinTech adopting that. As a business owner, you really don't want to be dealing with 16 other providers, right? You just want to know one place, you want to manage your business's financials and you want to see it sink back into your accounting system. And that's kind of where that use case comes in really handy and where the rails as a product comes in handy because we're not just pulling information. We have a two-way sync where we allow you to pull your bills and push back bill payments into the vendor and kind of create that synchronized workflow from a, if you could think about a business workflow management. The second one is we're seeing a lot of rise of business credit cards, right? So as you issue more credit cards, someone needs to reconcile those expenses you can hire 15 accountants probably to do that, or you can embed that as part of your solutions. So we have a couple of customers in the business credit card space, 
And they use us where, you know, we take all those expenses and transactions of the credit card and we're able to reconcile it back into the accounting system through journal entries or expense entries uh, so that as a business owner at the day or as an accountant at the end of the day, you just see everything landing in your accounting system. And instead of doing data entry, you're just basically doing a quick review and closing your month end. Well, yeah, I mean, the reality is, is that anyone who's a business owner knows that they get sucked into the quote unquote work of this all, especially when you're starting out, you can't necessarily just outsource this all and it can write you really bite you in the butt. And frankly, I mean, he, uh, <laughs> what can I say? Well, this sort of stuff should just work. Now, this is where I'll go on an open banking rant because I've had all kinds of trouble with bank feeds into my accounting software lately. I'm sure the banks did nothing to cause that, but nevertheless, it's like, this is the kind of stuff that the banks, that, that, Every business owner needs needs access to, and any kind of friction introduced is just wasted time on stuff that is not actually productive to the business. Quite honestly, so you know, tools like yours that allow for this stuff to hopefully work seamlessly without issue are are massive time savers and productivity gains. So good on you. Yeah, that's actually a good point because you brought up open banking. So. One thing that open banking might be great from a consumer perspective, right? You want to connect your bank to Wealthsimple or to Robinhood, all those apps to do stock trading. Open banking will be great for that. But a lot of people don't see that open banking is not really that useful from an SMB or commercial perspective. Because yes, you have access to banking data, but that's really like a one side of where business data sits. Business data sits in commerce, sits out at payment gateways, sits in accounting information. So from an SMB perspective, I say open finance is more of a generic term than open banking is like it's really open banking is just basically scratching the surface of what a business needs. Yes, there's some banking transaction happening, there's some activity happening, but just consider a business that's using Square as a POS. Their data is not, or the transaction is not even hitting your bank account. They're within that ecosystem of Square or Block, I guess now, but uh, it's sitting there and you have a credit, you have a card against it. All the transactions are happening there. So your data is barely even hitting your bank account. So even if you have the plaids or the bank aggregators out there connecting that information, you're really not going to understand a full picture of that small business unless you have access to all their financial data. And this kind of where... I like to say like the SMBs would leverage more from open finance. I think we're seeing more movements in that. Like you're seeing more commerce APIs or payroll APIs, accounting mm-hmm. APIs, which gives you a full holistic view of that of that business. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the um you know, it's more so open open banking is one thing. Open data is definitely the long-term play, right? It's, it's let's, let's make it easy for people to actually get to it when or to move it between venues when we actually have access and rights to it. And frankly, you know, going on my rant on this one again, I'm going to not. But nevertheless, it's it's something that is just eliminates friction within business and is just so beneficial to any business. So hard to see the, uh, the, downside, <laughs> the downside as long as we nail the security and data rights issues. Yeah, I think that's kind of what keeps up a lot of the customers up on that. What are you doing with the data? How secure is it? Did you are you scraping that data? Like, well, no, we use APIs. We use kind of it's permissioned access. I think this is some of the concerns that are still in the market, right? Data privacy, security, what you're doing with that information. Are you monetizing this behind the scenes? I think these are still going to be always going to be questions that pop up from customers or uh, whoever's granting you access to that data as well to kind of gain that trust. But I believe like as when you start explaining it to businesses that you're doing something beneficial for that, that you're actually paying it forward and translating that to better offers and products to them, I don't see why businesses would not want to give you access to that information. So basically, bottom line is 
you're one of the good guys sitting in the middle, making sure that access to data is one thing. Like, and this is what we're seeing everywhere. Access to data is one thing. Access to standardized data, so they don't have to, if you have it from five different places, is another value proposition. So you sit on top of, in the middle of cleaning this all up, which is of vital importance. So definitely doing good work here, and hopefully you'll be able to access more open data in the future and be able to help a, a businesses leverage that. So before we wrap up, you may recall this, there's three questions I ask everybody to end on a positive note and get you thinking. The first one is, if you had one wish for something that you could change in your company or the industry as a whole, what would it be? That is, there's a lot of things we'd like to change in the industry, but let's just uh, choose the top one. Uh, I think it's more the adoption side, right? It's like it's one, one tricky thing when you're trying to build in fintech, especially if you're trying to build if you're a third party in fintech, right? If you're not the application, your adoption depends on the adoption of your fintechs, right? So someone might use Rails as a vendor and you're collecting that information and they're doing that kind of using it to get access to the data, but then you're forgetting that it's a it's a kind of a supply chain, right? So it's like how you're relying on them getting adoption so that you gain adoption, you gain traction. So I think like what I would wish is more to see how that fintech space can kind of more folks converging to fintech products versus FI products because there's really value in what the fintech scene and what the fintech companies are doing compared to FIs. I personally barely use my bank these days. So I think that kind of my, should I say my wish list, maybe selfishly saying that so that Rails can benefit. But ideally, I think as an industry, as a whole, will benefit and won't be seeing what's what's happening right now in the market probably. So that's, I'd say, my biggest takeaway. Excellent. Yes, I would love not to use my bank. I had to go into a branch the other day. It was painful. Second question for you. So what's been the biggest challenge in getting Rails to where it is today? I think it's just with... I'd say that every challenge is definitely kind of a lesson learned. If I just speak from a product perspective as a company, because we're very like product driven as an organization, is every service provider has its own uh, draconian rules, if you want to call it, of how you access their data and what you can do with it and whatnot. And what someone might call an expense, someone else might call transactions. So I think this is kind of some of the challenges, which kind of makes it part of what we're building and removing those nightmare for other customers. So we do it so others don't have to deal with it. I think that's kind of one of the main challenges and we'll probably continue to see it for a while is how do you make sense of that data and how you can keep cleaning it and dealing with those small nuances. But even when you figure that out, you might have that edge case where a business is dealing with it in a different way. Uh, so I think that will continue to be a challenge, but it's actually a fun challenge as well to deal with because that's what makes Rails Rails today. Last question is what excites you about uh, what it is you're working on and gets you up in the morning to keep on fighting the good fight, especially given the fact this is a second crack. <laughs> yeah. So you probably, like, you know, I talked about much sure you remember, like my passion is a lot the SMB space and, and the, especially in fintech. Like, there's a reason why I don't go after consumer space. I think there's, that market is really served. The SMB financial eva- kind of evolution or innovation is only starting now in the past maybe year or two. And I think SMBs are still under marginalized uh, in that space. So what wakes me up every morning is that knowing that we're building some cool stuff that others can even build better applications that serve the space. And that's kind of what uh, what excites me. There's a lot we can do with accounting information. And we're starting to converge and use commerce, banking into our eco, into our product as well. And that's the guys find like, what can we do with this? And what can we build next so that the next fintech player can build something even better on top of us and make it even better for that SMB owner? Sam, thanks so much for coming on again. Great to hear your journey and great to hear how things are working out at Rails. Keep it up. Thank you. Thanks for having me in.
So that was today's episode of FinTech Impact. If you are looking for clean data from different SMBs um, and you're in that space, take a look at Rails. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you your podcast. And until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.